from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And it's been a while now, but it's still fresh on my mind. The 42-10 throttling of the Minnesota Vikings at the hands of the Green Bay Packers last Thursday night. And gosh, that was a fun one. And what a four-day stretch for the Packers. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about uh, all of that a little bit here. But Matt the blowout notwithstanding, it was kind of a weird game, felt a little bit preseason-like. The Stars didn't play very long, but when they did play, they just looked like they were so much better than the Minnesota Vikings that it wasn't even fair. Yeah, it, it almost kind of felt like that wild card game a couple of years ago, too, when Joe Webb played, where it just like, mm-hmm. you just knew they didn't have a chance. And I know we were both, you know, slightly worried about this game coming in. I think we both felt that the Packers were going to win, though, but I didn't quite expect that. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Rodgers to only have to throw 17 passes for 156 yards and you still win by that much is is a good feeling to have because the rest of the team stepped up. The defense made some big plays. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a great feeling because really the only thing that we thought we could bank on Rodgers, and uh, pretty much everybody else carried the load. Yeah, Rodgers actually, uh, I, th- I mean, he played great. He played he well, right. Um, if you had him on a fantasy team like I did, he was way under his projected, which just reinforces to me how really stupid fantasy football is, even though I play it all the time, but it's it really doesn't reflect real successful football in any way. Right. But um, Yeah, and it... What was good about this game, uh, before we actually talk what was really good about this game, is that you and I have missed with our picks a lot. And you said that if Teddy Bridgewater didn't play, that this could get out of hand. And I said that I thought the Packers would score 42 points. Uh, I'm not even nice. joking. Both of those happened. So we were we nailed this one really, really well. Um, yeah, the, the Teddy Bridgewater thing, people are going to speculate if this would have been different had he played... I think it would have been somewhat different because similar, you brought up the wild card game and this felt a lot like that where we talked about in the wild card game that there was a pass where Joe Webb had an open guy on third down and he skipped it into his feet. And from that moment on, we as fans, and it seemed like the Packers just knew that the Vikings couldn't do anything. There was no chance they were going to beat him. And there was a play in that first quarter where Christian Ponder had a wide open receiver he had inside positioning on a guy, he had him beat, and then Ponder threw it way over his back shoulder behind his head. And that was the moment, at least for me, and I would think for the players, that they're like, okay, wait a minute, I don't see how this guy's going to beat us. And so I think it would have been different with Bridgewater. I guess my question to you is, how different do you think it was? How much of an impact did you think Christian Ponder had on that game? And um, I guess, yeah, how different would it have been? I think it would have been different. I It's hard to really say, you know what the difference would have been with Bridgewater, considering we've only seen him play one game. I mean, he could have been equally as bad, but he did did play better last week than Ponder played this week, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ponder just looked terrible, and he couldn't hit anything, and a lot of those numbers are from the end of the game. But, you know, those two picks right away, back-to-back, you know, maybe Bridgewater wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But I have to imagine if Bridgewater can stay healthy, Ponder's days as a starter are pretty much done. I, I can't imagine he gets a whole lot of other looks after after a game like that. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I think maybe the Packers score a few less, maybe the Vikings score a few more, but the Packers probably would have kept it going in, in the fourth quarter had they not been up by so much. So mm-hmm. maybe final score-wise, maybe it ends up looking pretty similar. So I don't I don't know. I, he could have had an amazing game, and it could have been a completely different story, but it's so hard to judge that considering we've only seen him play one game. Yeah, and, and that's definitely fair. One thing I will say positive for the Packers' defense, regardless of Christian Ponder, and I agree with you, um, I don't see how this guy is even serviceable as a backup anymore in the NFL. He he doesn't look like, you know, David Carr and Joey Harrington did where they were competitive and they were fighters. They just made some bad choices and they would 
had their head down in the rush. But when they actually threw the ball, um, and maybe Carr more so than Harrington, when they actually threw the ball, they were somewhat accurate. They just would force it or they would panic. It was kind of a, you felt like they had the physical abilities, but they just didn't have the, uh, the mentality for it. Whereas Ponder seems like not only is he skittish, but he can't accurately throw it deep, short, <laughs> or anything. Yeah. So I don't think, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But the Packers defense, I thought, did a very good job of stopping the run early in the game. And they ended up with more than four yards of carry. They had 111 yards on 25 attempts. But early in the game, it felt like the Packers were very strong against the run. And then once the Packers got up 14 to nothing, I think Minnesota, much like teams used to do in 2011, just kind of panicked and thought, oh my gosh, we're going to get blown out of here. And they kind of got away from the run a little bit. So I think the defense really set the tone for that. Would have been different with Bridgewater, but it wasn't like they were getting run over and then the turnovers killed them. They were pretty much containing that rushing attack that it drove Atlanta nuts. Right, and Guyon definitely played his best game as a Packer so far, and they were just a little bit stronger up the middle, which which was huge. Mike so yeah, they ended up like giving up over four yards of carry, but they were making plays that they hadn't made all year long, mm-hmm. um, and the holes just weren't there. I think it's got a classic Dom Capers too. As soon as he smells blood in the water with a bad quarterback, that's when his defense has awesome games. <laughs> it's uh, when they play somebody he's maybe a little scared of and maybe plays a little bit tentative that they don't. So it it. You know, he's, he could tell that Ponder was going to be bad under pressure, and that's exactly what happened, and they got turnovers and a bunch of sacks off of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, regardless of who you're playing, what quarterback you're playing, it was nice to see some guys step up and, and have good games that haven't yet, and it maybe makes you feel a little better. I think this defense is still what it is, but it was a good game. Yeah, and I actually have a note here that we could talk about since you brought up Dom's defense against Christian Ponder, and I couldn't think of an eloquent way to say this, so I just scribbled it down on my notes as, is this defense fixed or does Ponder suck? So, is it both? Is it somewhere in the middle? The Packers had a stretch there where they didn't allow any points for six quarters, and that has to be the first time in forever that that's happened to the Packers. I'm sorry, five quarters. So, what is the case here? Because last year we saw this same kind of stretch by this defense when they played Christian Ponder and then they played Brandon Whedon, and everybody thought, oh my gosh, this defense is back, and then Josh McCown tore him apart, then Nick Foles tore him apart, then Eli Manning played well against him. And it was, oh, no, I forgot, just Brandon Whedon and Christian Ponder are awful NFL football players. So which do you think it is, or could it be both? Well, I mean, it's definitely a little bit of both, but if I had to lean towards one, I'd probably lean towards Ponder just being that bad, or at least just playing that bad. Um, we've seen this before, time and time again, against bad quarterbacks. It, 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 it was a good game again, but and I don't want to take anything away from that, but I'm not nearly ready to say that this defense is fixed after doing that against Christian Ponder. Yeah, and at least they're forcing turnovers again. Um, and right now, I, I don't think Pro Football Reference has updated their standings quite yet for uh, as far as their cumulative stats for game stats because there's still one left. But the Packers have only allowed 106 points in five games. Um, that's 22.2, which is ninth. Uh, in the NFL right now, which is very good, and they're seventh in scoring. So I know it's super early, and that'll happen when you have two big blowouts. But once they had that debacle in the first half against the Jets, they allowed three points in the second half of that game, just 19 against Detroit, and nine of those were the offense, then 17 against the Bears, and then 10 against the Vikings. It was kind of ugly getting there, but this defense is starting to string some things together, and say what you will about Stafford and Cutler, they're mistake-prone, sure, but they're certainly not incapable of tearing apart a bad defense. So maybe this is a little bit different than the defense that kind of masqueraded as a good team when they were playing against Brandon Whedon last year. Well, and I think this will definitely continue for the next couple of weeks, too. You look ahead, and you've got Miami, who's a little bit depleted, and Tannehill at quarterback, who doesn't necessarily scare me. And then you've got Cam Newton, who doesn't seem to have any receivers on his roster and every I think they've got four injured running backs right now so well and I mean, for three and a half quarters yesterday Cam Newton looked terrible yeah and I mean you could, so you could really see this defense putting up some good numbers and making some big plays the next couple of weeks and then you run into Drew Brees after that but I mean they could get through week seven being one of the top five scoring defenses in the NFL potentially if they keep this up yeah and wouldn't that be something so hopefully they can can uh, they can continue to do this um I guess you just got to keep getting better. There's not Carolina looks like kind of a rough bunch right now. I know they were able to get out a win against the Bears yesterday, but I mean, I, I hate to belabor this point, but 
the season's going to come down to Seattle and maybe San Francisco, and you're not going to have a test that's even mimicking that for at least until the postseason, I would think. Yeah. So, no. um, I mean, look at everybody else on their schedule. And I know I tweeted this after the game. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of the division later, but how two weeks ago the sky was falling and I was the one who was proclaiming that louder than anybody. And now they destroy the Bears. They destroy the Vikings even worse. The rest of the division comes falling back to them. And you start looking at those problem games. Carolina looks like they're in disarray. New Orleans doesn't look like they're any good at all. You have the Bears, the Eagles, who are winning but look kind of suspect. New England played well last night, but on the road they seem to struggle. And then you have Atlanta, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and then Detroit at home. We were saying some really good records for this team. And I don't want to overreact because, you know, you could have that knuckle sandwich coming in Miami. But things are starting to look like not only is this team going to be okay, but it might be better than okay. Well, and I think as much as we rip on the Packers because we're greedy gold forever and not focusing on the other teams as much, but I mean, if every other team was doing a podcast outside of maybe Seattle and, and Denver, everybody would be kind of freaking out as much as we are. It just seems like everybody's on the same level. There's a few really low, maybe two really high. Maybe San Diego's looking like they belong in that category too now. Yeah. But everybody else is right in the middle. I mean, it's insane to not have any undefeated teams left after only week five. And, yeah, and that's uh, got to be a record. I was trying to think of that. The only other one I could think of is in 2002, I think the Raiders were the the last undefeated team at 4-0, and this year no team got to pass 3-0. So that's insane. Yeah, I mean, right now it seems clear-cut that Denver and Seattle are the two best teams. Of course, New York is probably going to go on a run and win another Super Bowl now. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, yeah, it seems like there's a couple that are the class, the couple that are the basement, and, and literally like 24 teams all stuck in the middle. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, well, there's a lot of season left, so hopefully teams will start coming out of there and you can get some interesting matchups. I don't want to see this bunched up, everybody's 10-6 and 7-9 and 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 everywhere in between. That would be kind of a lame season, but um, I guess we'll see what happens. So just to recap, the Packers, 73-27 to combined in a four-day stretch. That has to be some kind of record. Uh, is there any concern that they're going to cool off uh, and lose their momentum going down to the very hot Miami? I wouldn't think so. Um... I don't know. I, I, I haven't been too impressed with Miami. I think Green Bay is definitely the better team. Like you said, anything can happen. You're going to Miami. They're not mm-hmm. so bad that they can't beat you. So mm-hmm. yeah, you got to show up to win the game, but I think they definitely will. And we'll talk more about that later. But I think that they keep the momentum rolling. I think they're a confident crew right now. So you don't think that this might have been them catching lightning in a bottle for four days trying with their backs against the wall and that now they'll start believing their own hype and fall off? You think they can sustain this? Well, maybe they needed that confidence. I don't know. I, yeah. We kind of talk about how the Packers like to pat themselves on the back a little bit after wins, but I I really think if anybody did, this defense needed that really badly. So Sure. Uh, maybe this isn't the time you want to have 10 days off after you're just killing a couple of teams back-to-back because <laughs> it kind of gives you a little bit of time to cool off and, and everything, but I think, it's, uh, I think it was much-needed confidence. Yeah, and I think you're probably right there. The thing everybody's been talking about is Aaron Rodgers' success in October and the Packers' success in October. I think the last... I'm trying to think of the last October loss I can think of, and that's probably against the Colts in uh, 2012. But obviously they won all of their October games in 2011. They won the rest of them in 2012. I think they won them all last year. So this is a really good month for them. And I was looking up Aaron Rodgers' career splits for months, and pro football reference is amazing if you're into stats. And they got it all uh, separated in points and months and days of the week. And Aaron Rodgers is 20-6 and all-time in the month of October. 56 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, has a quarterback rating of 111.7. But I will warn you, they better get as many wins as they can now because Aaron Rodgers just falls off a cliff uh, in November. He's 111.7 quarterback rating in October, and in November he's a just horrible 103.7. So... <laughs> They, they get, better take the wins while they can get them, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. The other thing I wanted to point out about the defense is that I think I talked about it in the Minnesota Metrodome game last year is how much I hate garbage points and garbage yards. It drives me insane. It As soon as you let a team score more than 20 points, I swear that if you beat somebody 24 to 3, it looks more dominating than if you beat somebody 100 to 21. There's just something about it looks like they had a chance to score and maybe it just got out of hand. 
When Dom was sending eight people at Christian Ponder in the fourth quarter when you're up by 38 points, I that just warmed my heart. I'm like, thank goodness somebody finally decided to do that and stop garbage points for no other reason than they just want the blowout to sustain itself and still look awesome in the paper tomorrow. Well, why not? I mean, there's no way. I mean, that's the perfect defense for against such a bad quarterback. Just blitz the heck out of him because you know he's not going to hit anybody down the field, so... <laughs> Why let up? They probably would have scored points had you, so it, it's the right call. I know maybe Vikings fans don't like that you're coming after them, but I don't think that many of them would have cared too much had Ponder gotten injured anyway. They were probably rooting harder than we were for HaHa and then Clay Matthews on those last two plays to put him in the ground. Yeah, so I, I think it's the right move, and yeah, it was good to see. You can't do that against, you know, if you're up on Peyton Manning by 28 points, you probably aren't going to do that because he's going to end up killing you, but that yeah. was a perfect defense for that. Yeah, and so that was nice to see. You don't usually see that. And they did it for a couple of drives, and I think everybody got a little pissed off that they'd given up 10 points. So then yeah. they started coming, and uh, it was awesome. They, they really disrupted everything. The running game finally got going as Eddie Lacy had a big day, got over 100 yards on just 13 carries. He looked like an absolute beast. And they still kind of played him a little bit lightly. I know, once again, it felt like a preseason game where Rodgers and Lacey and all these guys hardly got any work at all because it was out of hand so fast. I will point this out, that due to the game and kind of how weird it was, usually Matt and I are texting quite a bit back and forth, and they had a play where they gave a sweep to James Starks where um, he got tackled in the backfield, and I thought that... Eddie Lacy would have been a better choice for this. So I texted Matt. I said, well, why don't, why didn't they use Lacy in that play? And we both have iPhones, so when you send it to another iPhone person, you can see when they're responding. And I saw the little thought bubble there for about 90 seconds, so I thought, wow, Matt's got a really elaborate thing that he's going to tell me about why they didn't use Lacy. <laughs> and it turns out that the reason they didn't use Lacy is because he's, quote, too pokey. So yeah. uh, do you want to elaborate on that any further? <laughs> well, and I think he definitely turned that around a little bit uh, as the game wore on. That was kind of early. He ended up with 8.1 yards per carry, so I don't want to rip on the guy. But it just <laughs> seemed like that so far this year he's just so tentative going to the hole and, and is just kind of moving around a little bit too much for such a big guy who's usually such a straight-ahead runner like we saw in the preseason. So mm-hmm. we did end up seeing more of that as the game went on. I think I think the holes were huge, though, for him. Yeah, they which, really were. Which helped a lot, but... For such a big guy lately, he, and he kind of seems to go back and forth on this, on his running style, but it just seems like he's been kind of tentative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, eight yards of carry, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but at the time, I, that's kind of how I was feeling. So if he's going to go to the next level, he's got to ditch the pokey. That's right. No more pokey. <laughs> okay. We'll uh, relay that message to him, I'm sure. And the only other thing I really have about this game is that Marshall Falk, I think, just hates the Packers. Um, he he was the only man on the panel to pick against the Packers. It seems like he's in the Rod Woodson category of just always being irritated when he has to talk about the Packers. I'm sure that's not true, and it's just like three instances that stick in my head. Uh, I remember way back in the game you and I went to, the first Thursday night game that the Packers hosted, that... Marshall Falk said in one of the post-game shows that he was upset that the 96 Packers were ranked higher than the 99 Rams on the America's game list because they would have scored all these points on the uh, 96 Packers. So I think he's just still bitter about that from eight years ago. Yeah, geez, must be. I, I watched the CBS broadcast because the HD was just a little bit more crisp, so I guess I didn't watch any of the NFL Network stuff. Yeah, and it was like 20-17, to 17, and this was after Ponder had been named the starter, so I don't know what the huh. heck he was thinking. But, um, at least he didn't say that Travis Henry was going to be a promising rookie in like his seventh year when like Emmett Smith did. Yeah, that that's one. right. He's a, he's a little better analyst than Emmett Smith. Still. <laughs> yeah. I lied. There is um, one other thing I wanted to say about this game. Matt Flynn came in and threw an interception, which he always does. I looked it up, and... He has thrown an interception almost every game he's ever played in. And in his seven career starts, he's thrown four interception returns for touchdowns, all in four separate games. (laughs) So he's very uh, good at doing that. I just have this quick question. I know they like Flynn better than Tolzien right now. He's the backup quarterback. You can make a good argument for it due to what he did last year. But I'm of the opinion that I think Flynn is a good backup if he has to start the game but from what we've seen of him his entire career is that I don't trust him at all if he has to come in a game he's not expecting to play in. Yeah, that's kind of what we've seen is when he's come in expecting to start, he's generally played really well, but it's 
I mean, that pass was just terrible. Maybe he doesn't pay attention during the week and doesn't study at all or doesn't really work out because he knows he's not starting. I mean, there's definitely got to be a different mindset for that. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of hoping Tolzien would come in. I know he was the third. He um, wasn't even suited up. I saw he wasn't him on the even suited up. Yeah. It, it would be nice to get him in there when, you know, in garbage time where Flynn's played enough. He's got the experience where it would have been nice to maybe get Tolzien some snaps. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what do you what do? You do? I guess, uh, yeah, Flynn is... That man, that that first pick was so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, all of it. He always has like a super horrible interception. Almost every game he's ever played in. And last year he had some weird ones. Like he had the one where Andrew Corliss plowed over him while he was trying to throw a bubble <laughs> screen. And then he had the one that bounced off a dude's hands, then off a heel, and then returned for a touchdown against Atlanta. Do you remember that play? Yeah. Yeah, what a buzzkill this one was, too. I mean, everything was going your way, and then he comes in and, and just immediately throws one of the worst passes, probably worse than any of Ponder's almost. <laughs> I just imagine him just not even caring at all, just grabbing his helmet, full sprint, right under center, grabs the ball, rolls out, and chucks it to the other team. Like, yeah. just some guy who nobody wanted on their team and decided to get involved in the recess game. <laughs> well, right. kind of was that first half of that. He played on about every other team in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was last season for him. He had to go to another playground. Okay, um, gosh, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add about this game? It was such a dominating performance. Yeah, pretty clear cut. Yeah, and and I think it's good. I don't know if we can read too much into it, but it certainly points to good things for the Packers and seeing what they did to two division rivals, who normally they beat the Bears and the Vikings, but they. I can't remember the last time they just trashed them like that, especially the Bears. So that's hopefully something that maybe says this season is going to be on the track we thought it was going to be in August. Yep. And the relax thing by Aaron Rodgers, which we didn't talk about at all uh, last week when he told everybody to relax and whatnot. I just thought about that yesterday, is that me wandering my mind again, is that if they win the Super Bowl, that's going to be an awesome America's Game segment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know, I thought it was kind of stupid when he said it, but it it seems like he needs to kind of get himself pumped up sometimes by saying that, and I think maybe that gave him motivation to come out and just slaughter the Bears, so I'll take whatever. He's played awesome since he did it. Well, and that's why I didn't mention it, and I don't want to, to trash it or anything, but he said that right after that Detroit game, and he hadn't really played well in 10 of the 12 quarters that the season had been in, and I was just thinking, oh, come on, dude. I mean... <laughs> I mean, he, he backed it up, which I think, like you said, he, he sometimes needs to manufacture pressure on himself in order to, to do some of these things, which is okay. And let's talk about those Detroit Lions and those Chicago Bears, who both came back to the pack yesterday. And just when you think the Lions look like they're one of the better teams in the NFL, they lose to Buffalo at home with a guy they just signed off the street, yeah. the Bears completely gave away a game. They, I think it was the first time in six years that they lost a game in which they led at any point by more than two touchdowns. So what do you make of the other two teams in this division that we thought were going to be legitimate contenders for the title? Well, I, I think they are who... I just got into <laughs> saying that, and I realized it was going to sound exactly like Dennis Green. They, I think they both are who I thought they were, really. <laughs> I mean, they're teams that are good enough to beat anybody, but they just have these stupid games where they just completely give it away, and they both did. They both had leads, and they both coughed them up, and I mean, it's just been classic Cutler and classic Stafford so far in their careers, mm-hmm. where these teams seem like they could be so good, and the Bears and the Lions have every chance right now to, you know, to maybe fight for the division and maybe get a two-seed, and because everybody else has kind of fallen back to the pack, but then they just give away these games and, and just play terrible. And for them to score that few points, Chicago put up 24, Detroit had, what, 14 or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, against a not very good Buffalo defense. <laughs> I know Buffalo's playing well, but, um, man, it's it was kind of shocking. And I'm feeling a lot more confident about the Packers coming away with the division now after seeing these uh, couple teams. And I think when they run into Detroit and Lambeau, I think it's going to be a different story. Yeah, and Detroit... Sort of makes more sense because they lost Calvin Johnson in that game, although I've never seen a receiver mean so much to an offense. The 49ers lost Jerry Rice one year and went 13-3 and without him. I mean, that's with J.J. Stokes and a young Terrell Owens that was still dropping passes and no running game. So I, I don't understand how Calvin Johnson is so important to that team. And 
I didn't see much of yesterday's game, and so that one is just kind of weird. The Bears is a complete mystery. They looked like they could move the ball at will, and yes, it's some turnovers, but they always have some turnovers. That That's just a weird game. It seemed, They did the same thing against the Packers. They just are moving the ball like crazy. They look like the best offense in the league, and then all of a sudden, over the course of a drive or two, it's just like, oh, no, actually, we stink and can't move the ball at all. It's I don't get them at all. And, yes, it's turnovers, and it's Cutler getting reckless, but that one doesn't make sense. And then the defense, on the other hand, to completely contain that Carolina team and then just become a sieve. I don't I don't get it at all. Yeah, it. They're both so weird in the fact that it seems like every time they have an opportunity to do something good, they just just completely fall apart. Like, I mean, look at Detroit at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, every time it seems like they have an opportunity to take a hold of something, they just can't do anything. And Matthew <laughs> Stafford turns into this inaccurate quarterback who can't move the ball. It's kind of a mystery. I, I can't explain it, but it's... I admit you thought maybe a changing coach would, would fix that, but clearly not, at least here in the short term in this season. Oh, speaking of changes of coaches, Buffalo, we talk about them on here a lot. I think everybody who's not a fan of a rival team loves the Buffalo Bills. <clears throat> they beat the Lions, who are one of our division rivals and have been one of the douchier teams that we've competed against <laughs> as the Packers. But then the Bills went and carried off Jim Schwartz like he was Vince Lombardi, and I'm like, oh, Buffalo, you're making me regret being happy for yeah. you right now. Come on. Yeah, I, did, I haven't gotten a chance to see that yet, but Jim Schwartz is probably my my least favorite coach of all time. Maybe so they had another see. guy standing on the top of the bench, and he clotheslined him off the top like a big, huge doomsday uh, device. Yeah, doomsday device. There you go. <laughs> all right, so I think we'll wrap it up for the Packers. Uh, they're playing against the Miami Dolphins Next, and we'll talk about that game as we get to the end of our pick segment. We'll have to do the pick segment really fast this week, and uh, let's do that now, and then we'll go to Crossfire, which we promised, and we've had a few of you that have sent some uh, questions and whatnot our way. So we did really well uh, this past week, and actually... At about 2.45 Central Time, I looked like the smartest guy in the world because I picked Detroit, Tennessee, Chicago, and Jacksonville. Jacksonville had the ball. They were driving for a game-tying score. It didn't work out. Tennessee, Chicago, and Detroit were all leading, and then they all gave it away. So I ended up going 9-4 and four with one game to go. Uh, that's pretty good. You went 11-2 and two with one game to go. We both have Seattle tonight. So we're starting to pull away from mediocrity a little bit. Uh, you're 45 and 29 this year. I am 40 and 34. So you got a little bit of a lead here, but uh, I, I blame that on uh, crappy collapses by suspect teams that I put my trust in. And I think you're trying to cheat me again a little bit here. Let me. I got to recount now because I thought I had 12 here. I got to, or maybe maybe not here. I think I have Detroit circle, which I didn't see before. Yeah. I think you're right. Detroit and Atlanta were the only losses. And how many games were played yesterday? 13 with one to go, right? Yeah. Okay. So I had. Yep. Yep, you're right, 11. Okay, and then the only ones I had wrong were Detroit, Tennessee, Chicago, Jacksonville. I did pick the Giants. Okay, um, let's pound through these picks super fast here. If you have anything interesting or if you picked an upset, maybe elaborate, but some of these are no-brainers. So we start on Thursday, Indianapolis at Houston. Uh, who you got in that one? Uh, Indy Houston. I think uh, uh, I'll, I'll pick Indy. kind of uh, wanted to change my mind there. Houston's playing well, but I think the Colts win it. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick the Colts as well. I still don't trust Fitzpatrick against any kind of suitable opponent. New England at Buffalo. Can the Bills sustain? No, I don't think so. I It's at Buffalo, which makes me want to change my mind again. But the New England's had their number. It seems like I think the Bills will probably play them close like they always do and then do something to give the game away. I just don't have faith in Kyle Orton coming off the street. I mean, he didn't do a ton to win that game against the Lions. But uh, And I don't think he will do much against New England either. I'll pick the Patriots. I'm almost sure that the Patriots are going to crush him. This just feels like the game that Buffalo gets up for and then the Patriots be the Patriots. Uh, this has happened several times in Buffalo. They always seem to start hot. Then they get excited about what's going on. Then they host New England and get stomped. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen. Baltimore at Tampa Bay. Any chance the Ravens lose? No. Well, there's always a chance. Oh, man, these are all so hard. I don't know what they seem like. They should be easy games to pick, but I'm kind of thinking Tampa at home. They played a little better against New Orleans, but I'll I'll stick Baltimore. I didn't mean to influence your pick by introducing it that way because now that I think of it, I'm actually going to take Tampa Bay. You can change yeah. your pick if you want, but no, I'll stick with Baltimore. But it, it's close. 
Tampa Bay has scored a lot since they put Mike Glennon in the games. Yeah. And so I'm going to pick them. Baltimore still doesn't – they're weird. So I'll, I'll take Tampa. I think that they've earned, I guess, a stupid pick on my part after the last two weeks. Pittsburgh hosting – or I'm sorry, Pittsburgh traveling to Cleveland. I'll, I'll pick first this time. I think Cleveland can beat Pittsburgh. Brian Hoyer's got that offense moving. I think they're going to feel good about themselves after Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. I'm taking Cleveland at home as well. Um, and they've played already this year, haven't they? Yeah, that was the game in Week One where uh, yeah. they came back, almost came back and won. Cleveland and Pittsburgh did. looked really bad against Jacksonville. I think Cleveland's a lot better than that, and they're at home, so I take the Browns too. Sure. Uh, Carolina at Cincinnati in uh, two teams that are kind of searching for themselves right now. Yeah, I'll take Cincinnati at home. They're really good at home, and uh, I guess I've been a lot more impressed with them than Carolina despite the game last night. Yeah, and uh, I'll agree with that, too. They're really tough at home. I feel like yesterday was a a bit of an anomaly, and uh, Carolina's defense just looks horrible. After the first two weeks, they just can't seem to stop anybody. Denver at the Jets. Uh, Taking Denver here. I don't think New York stands a chance. I think Geno's expected to start, and he's been really, really bad. I don't know how they keep up with Denver. Yeah, I think if they start Geno and Michael Vick and have 12 guys on the field, I don't think it's going to matter against Denver. No, I think you're right. Detroit at Minnesota. This is kind of a tough one. Um, Bridgewater was named the starter immediately following the Packers game during the postseason press conference. So obviously Zimmer not impressed with Christian Ponder. Uh, I'll take Detroit in a bounce back game on the road here. I think that they've got a lot better chance with Bridgewater, but I think Detroit's going to be mad and going to come out firing. And I think from what we saw from Minnesota, they're just an inferior team right now. I'm going to do the stupid thing, and I'm going to take Minnesota. I think they got kind of a cool dynamic at the new stadium. I think Bridgewater being back, people are going to be hyped up. And if Calvin Johnson is uh, iffy health-wise, sure. I think uh, Detroit has shown repeatedly the last three years that if Calvin Johnson is not uh, 100%, that this team is drastically different. So I'll take Minnesota just on that uncertainty. Sure. Jacksonville at Tennessee. Would have been a great game in 1999. Now it stinks. Yeah, I'll take Tennessee. i I think we both picked Jacksonville a couple times this year. They came close yesterday, but I'm not ready to pick them again here until I maybe see them win a game. I think Bortles is probably a little better at quarterback, but I think Tennessee, um, and I expect Whitehurst will probably be starting, huh? Maybe that changes yeah. my mind a little bit, but I'll stick with Tennessee at home. I think Whitehurst seems as good as Jake Locker. He just Yeah, he probably is. Game. I mean, he's the one who mounted the comeback, so. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take uh, Tennessee as well. Jacksonville and Oakland, I have new rules for them. I refuse to pick them until... Mm-hmm. Uh, they win a game. So San Diego at Oakland, leading right into that, definitely the Chargers. They look like they are one of, if not the best team in the AFC. Yeah, I'd I'd put them right at number two easily right now. So uh, Cincinnati's right there as well. But, yeah, I'll take San Diego on the road. Chicago visiting the Falcons. Um, Who you got? Oh, yuck. This should be a high-scoring game. Um, I guess I'm going to take Atlanta. They've kind of dropped a few in a row here. I think both defenses are bad, but I trust that offense a little bit more. I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, I feel like I've picked the Bears every week this year. But, yeah, Atlanta just looked strong coming out, and people were surprised that they beat the Saints, and then they just haven't seemed to be very good since then. They pounded Tampa, but outside of that, they just have looked horrible on defense, and the Saints just don't look very good either. So that win isn't as good as it was. So I will take the Bears. Uh, Dallas at Seattle. Um, Seattle at home. I, I, Dallas has been impressive. It's hard to pick against them, but I, anytime Seattle's at home, I'm taking them. I don't think Dallas has been that impressive, honestly. They had to have a comeback win against the St. Louis Rams. They played against crappy Ryan Fitzpatrick at home. I know Houston's got a good defense and whatever, but I feel like Dallas is a very poor man's Packers right now who is going sure. to wow people because they have a legendary uniform and they have a big fan base and they have a high-powered offense and then they're going to run into teams like Seattle and like we saw in week one against San Francisco and get their brains beat in. So I think that's going to happen against Seattle on Sunday. Sure. Washington at Arizona. Um, I'll, I'll pick first this time. Gosh, if Arizona has to start their third quarterback, that could be a problem, but I just think Washington's a little bit too punchless against a good defense, so I'll take Arizona. Yeah, and I Arizona's been awesome. They've been so fun to watch, but I think if Logan Thomas starts, I watched a little bit of that game, and he looked pretty bad. He did have that long touchdown, but it was on a just a little screen pass. To, well, it wasn't a screen pass, but it was a really dangerous throw to a running <laughs> back that probably should have been picked. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a the starting quarterback right now, I'm going to take Washington just because maybe I trust that a little more. I know their defense isn't as good as Arizona's, but I don't think Logan Thomas, if he plays, stands a chance. 
Sure. Okay, well, you'll take Washington on the uncertainty then. Sunday night football, we have the Giants at the Eagles. Oh, man, this is tough because the Giants have looked so good. They are going on the road here. I'm going to take Philadelphia, but I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants blew them out a little bit. They've been playing so well lately, but I guess I'll take the Eagles just because they're at home. I'm going to take the Giants. This just feels like a game that the Giants win. Uh, I don't know why, but... Uh, they have been playing very well. They've won three in a row. They've blown out some teams. They've faced some adversity in games and come back. So I'll take the Giants. I'm still not all that sold on Philadelphia. It feels like they've been beaten up on some cream puffs. Yeah. And San Francisco at St. Louis in another Monday night football game that's just absolutely horrible. What are they doing? Yeah, that's St. terrible. Louis? So I think San Francisco wins this one, and the only question in this game is who the heck's picking the games for ESPN. Yeah, San Francisco too, no doubt. Okay, so we will take that. Let's get to Crossfire. And that signifies the beginning of Crossfire, the segment where Matt and I exchange topics in a rapid-fire fashion and uh, try to uh, debate whatever is on our minds. And we also got some Facebook contributions from some of you as well, so we'll discuss those. If you ever want to contribute to the show, definitely write something on the page and definitely do it on Mondays, preferably before 6 p.m. Uh, that's roughly when we record most weeks, and so if you do it after that, there's a lot of chance we might not see it. So if you have anything on your mind, hit us up on Mondays, and uh, we'll we'll always be seeing it on uh, that day. So, Matt, do you want to start with one of the Facebook comments, and then uh, maybe one of us can start, and then we'll get back to the Facebook comments after that? Sure. Yeah, I'll get uh, Eric Hansen gave us two of them here. I'll give you one of his. Okay. Um, Number one is, why do you think so many people in the media now have come to regard Favre as just this overrated, reckless gunslinger quarterback who always blew games away and doesn't even belong in the conversation for the greatest quarterback of all time? So kind of a long uh, crossfire, but why do you think that is? Well, we've talked about that a little bit on the show where we just don't understand that, but it's actually not that difficult to understand. It's because it's an easy narrative. He failed on spectacular stages. We've talked about this ad nauseum that Peyton Manning's been dreadful in the playoffs, and Steve Young was pretty bad in the playoffs, and Dan Marino had a losing record in the playoffs, but they never threw an overtime interception, and they never threw an an interception in field goal range in the NFC Championship game. So nobody remembers them because they got blown away and just played like crap for four quarters. Favre played great and then threw it away at the end after getting his team to a tie situation to a potentially winning situation. So I think it's more notable. He's also kind of got the aw shucks, old boy, you know, kind of personality. He had the Jen Sturger thing. He had the Minnesota Vikings thing, which I think now as time has passed, even people who aren't Packer fans kind of side with the Packers in that regard. So I think it's to do with those things. I don't know if it's ever going to get better. I think maybe next year once it's we're really close to Hall of Fame talk and he gets his jersey retired, but I think those are the reasons. Yeah, and I think maybe more than the um, even the big game meltdowns like we saw, I think number one is that he pretty much alienated everybody who was a fan of his. Yeah. And you kind of go out like that, and, I mean, who's left to root for you? I, I mean, if he would have retired as a Packer when he initially did, I don't think people would be talking about you know, blowing the big games. Mm-hmm. They'd be remembering far for what he was as a player and as a guy for the team. But he alienated the Packer fans. He went to the Jets and, and didn't play real well there. And did, <laughs> yeah. What did the Jen Sturger thing and just everybody kinda just seemed to think he's a bad guy. And it's when you, everybody has that feeling this is the reaction you're gonna get is people are just kind of, you know, completely against him. So I think even ha- with the big game meltdowns, I think that's much less noted if uh you know, everybody was still on Brett's side. Yeah, the fan thing is a great point because nobody's mobilizing to defend Brett Favre from criticism right now. Mm-hmm. If you see a guy in a Dolphins hat in a bar and you tell him that Marino sucked in the playoffs, you better duck because yeah. they just they will defend him to the, to the death for that. So I think uh, that's a fantastic point. All right, Matt, do you want to throw one my way? Sure. Let's do that here. Got my little list here for you. All right. Number one, um, 
we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I'm curious. I think it was a couple of years ago. I'm curious your updated thoughts on this since it seems like both their careers are kind of winding down here. Give me one of these two players you've got to put in the Hall of Fame. Um, Andre Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald? Oh, man. Um, both I love the Hall of Fame ones, too, because you don't want anybody to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Sterling Sharp and Terrell Davis is my answer to that. Um, I think Larry Fitzgerald would get the nod for me, and it's a little bit unfair because he got to the big stage in the one year he got to play with a great quarterback, or two years he got to play with a great quarterback. Um now that I said that, he played several years with Warner, but that's not the point. The point is that he actually got a chance to play with a great quarterback and show how great he was. And he's been good his whole career, but he got a chance to almost, I mean, he would have been the Super Bowl MVP probably yeah. uh, it, had the Cardinals defense held. So we got to see him on that big showcase. Andre Johnson, in my mind's eye, is a good receiver, but I can't think of one notable play or one notable moment other than he's just always been a great receiver, but it's always been with David Carr and Sage Rosenfels and Matt Schaub and now Ryan Fitzpatrick. He hasn't had these big kind of moments, but I don't know. I feel like that's what it's all about. He, I'm trying to think of somebody to compare Andre Johnson to that there really isn't anybody. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, he was he was considered the, probably the number one receiver in the league. Him and Fitzgerald for a couple of years, they were kind of back and forth before Calvin Johnson. Yeah. So it's, Maybe it's hard Tim to Tim really... Brown? I mean, I know Tim yeah. Brown had some more success, but by the time the Raiders got to the Super Bowl, he was like a non-factor on that yeah. team. So I'll say Larry Fitzgerald because he's had bigger moments, and I'm worried about Larry Fitzgerald when I'm playing the Cardinals. Andre Johnson is kind of a guy who just destroys you, and then at the end of the game you're like, oh, yeah, Andre Johnson, I guess, had a good day. Too bad we lost. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Fitzgerald, too. I think they probably both could be, but I think Johnson really suffers from the quarterback issue that he had. Mm -hmm. And Fitzgerald getting to the Super Bowl, like you said, that really seems to weigh it with the Hall of Fame voters. I I guess I think I felt like he's been the better receiver. Johnson may be a little bit more physically talented, faster and all that, but he seems like he's always hurt, too. Yeah. so I think if I pick one, I'll pick Fitz. All right. Uh, my topic for you is I am giving you the chance to found a new, uh, I guess, complement to the NFL Hall of Fame. It's called the, the Wall of Notoriety. So it's for those who are not good enough to make the Hall of Fame, but are good enough to be remembered as good players. So sure. my example is Bernie Kosar here. He's not going to be my guy, but in that vein... So I want you to pick real quick two Packers and two guys from the rest of the NFL. Okay, so two Packers that aren't going to be in the Hall of Fame but had really good careers. Yeah. Um. So this is probably kind of projecting too. So if if could I like pick a rookie that I think is going to be really good or? Um. Yeah, I guess that's up to you. However you want okay. to interpret it. Uh, I think Jordy Nelson is one for sure. I don't think he's the type that can make the Hall of Fame. I mean, he could finish his career really strong, and he's playing like he could be a candidate this year, but he seems like the kind of guy who's a Packer Hall of Famer but not a an NFL Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, man, who else here? I, I think Clay Matthews is going to be my other one. Okay. I don't think that he's uh, done enough to be a Hall of Famer, and he, he's already getting up there in age, which seems weird to say, but I think that his prime is probably, if not he past a little bit is pretty darn close to being there, so I, I think I'll take Clay not making the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll do my two Packers quick, and sure. I didn't do any current guys. I took guys from, you know, maybe Brett's teammates or whatever. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Um, I, there's a ton of guys that you probably could pick for this, but I was going to say Leroy Butler, but I think he is close enough to Hall of Fame caliber yeah, that he's still so. making semifinalist lists and stuff like that. Um. The big ones for me are obviously Amon Green. I think he's not going to be remembered outside of Green Bay, but was a very, very, very good player and was dominant for about four years as one of the best offensive players in the NFL. And probably nobody's going to remember him outside of this state after a while. Um, The other guy I wanted to talk about is KGB. I think even here we forget about it all the time. The all-time leader in sacks for the Packers, there was a couple years where he was just completely disruptive. I don't think he was ever the best or the best in his position uh, in the NFL, but if you put him on those Super Bowl teams on the other side of Reggie White instead of Sean Jones and he has the same production, now we're having a different conversation. He was that good. So um, he'll be the other Packer for me. Okay. 
Um, and for NFL, I so I can go back into the past for this, huh? For yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Um, well, I'll I'll take a current guy. I think uh, I think Philip Rivers is going to be one of those guys that classic really good quarterback that just doesn't end up making it because he doesn't end up winning a big game or an MVP or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Um, one. I guess if I have to take a current guy, I'll pick him. Uh, so does this mean like my number one guy who's not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, and, thing, and, and it's even not so much that he's not in the Hall of Fame because they haven't voted for him yet. He's a really good player who you think's worthy of remembering, but he's not good enough to be a Hall of Famer. Sure. Man, that's tough. Yeah. Um, that's why it's so hard to get the wall of notoriety started, because it's just too hard to choose. I need more time to think about this. All um, right, I'll give you yeah, one, mine, too, two. real quick. Um, the guy I talk about all the time, and I'm going to talk about him again, is Drew Bledsoe. Sure. He's a weird one to rate because he got his team to the Super Bowl. He was a multi-time Pro Bowler. He played a long time. He is one of those guys who's a number one pick overall, but he's not Peyton Manning and he's not Troy Aikman, but he's not a bust either. So I think he deserves to be remembered as a really, really good quarterback. If you go to, what, maybe 1996 through 2000, at least through 99, Drew Bledsoe was considered a top five quarterback in the NFL and played like it. And that was with some suspect New, uh, New England team. So I'll pick him. The other guy I wanted to bring up is Chris Spielman. I think people kind of forget about him. He not only was a really dominant player, he made a lot of plays. He had the old big plastic face mask of the Lions. I wish he would have been a Packer because I think he would have been one of my favorite ever. And if you've heard about his life story on like the Football Life documentaries, he's just a really, really good guy. So I think Chris Spielman is on the wall of notoriety. Sure. I guess for my other guy, and again, there's probably a thousand guys you could choose from, and I'll probably feel stupid for saying this, but I think Donovan McNabb isn't remembered for being the quarterback he he really was a lot of times, and he got to four straight NFC Championship games. I think because he kind of ended his career in sort of an embarrassing fashion, he's not going to be, mm-hmm. and, and because he played for the Philly fans, and they never won a Super Bowl, even though he got some chances, but he was a really good quarterback for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's no chance he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I think he deserves to be remembered. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I was so tempted while you were talking to just yell out "fat, slow, puke" during the Super Bowl. Yeah, but <laughs> see, but that's what people remember, and, and and kind of don't remember all the times he just absolutely destroyed the Packers and yeah, and just played really well and got his team. It's not like they were completely stacked. I mean, he Brian Westbrook was really good, but they didn't have much for receivers, and he really carried that offense a lot. So you're telling me that. Not every quarterback could have got to the NFC Championship game thrown at James Thrash and Todd Pinkston. Yeah, isn't that incredible <laughs> what he did with some of those receivers? And it, yeah, they didn't. Their defense wasn't you know phenomenal or anything. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. They had a pretty good defense though. But I, I mean, point taken. I, but they had a pretty good defense in like yeah. 01 and 02. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I completely forget about him. And if you think about the 2000s, people are going to talk Manning, Brady, and all that stuff forever. But yep. the NFC was completely dominated by Donovan McNabb in that first half of the decade. Yep. Okay, um, do you want to go to Facebook, or do you got another one for me? Sure, let's get Eric's uh, other one in here real quick. Um, number two, which quarterback has had the better career so far, Brady Manning? So we kind of talked about this at our top ten list, and I think we'll probably both be in agreement here. Mm-hmm. I know some people have probably changed their minds recently, but who you got? Yeah, and I had Brady higher than Manning, as did you. The thing that's really hard for this as I think about it more, is just seeing Brady the last couple of weeks and how ineffective he has been when he doesn't have weapons. And you can say that maybe about any quarterback, but people say Peyton's had great weapons, but at some point, you know, think about the guys he's had. You can say, yes, they're all good, but how can they all be good? How can Brandon Stokely be a non-factor everywhere and then play with Peyton Manning and be great? And Austin Colley and Pierre Garçon and all of these Denver receivers who all played with Tim Tebow when they were scoring seven points a game. And now they're with Peyton and they're all pros. And so I think Brady's had a better career. He's got the three Super Bowls, but one thing that's going to be brushed under the rug of history is that the three teams that won the Super Bowl had phenomenal defenses. Yeah. I still got to say it's Brady, but I think it's closer than people who would say Brady are willing to admit. Yeah, and I'll agree with everything you said there. I think that Brady's the choice here because of the Super Bowls and because of the playoff success, and you have to hold that against 
Peyton Manning when you're having a discussion like this, but he is definitely the one of the two that could carry a team and make players better at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, more impressive regular seasons, and just really puts t- the team on his back. I mean, you think about some of the years in Indy, you know, he's thrown to Jacob Tammy and, like you said, Austin Collie at the end, and he's still just killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's probably more that guy, but you have to side with Brady, I think, because of the Super Bowls. Yeah, and in the the playoff wins that Brady has over Peyton, it's not like he went out there and beat him forty two to thirty five. He beat him twenty to three. <laughs> I don't even think he threw for a hundred yards in one of the games that they beat him. So, um, yeah, but I still think it's Brady. He doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. The last six years or so, when they finally put the offense in his hands, he's been unbelievable. Yep. Okay, so I have one for you now. Or no, is it your turn? I read off Facebook. I can read you one of mine. I've got two left here. So. Okay. Alrighty, who are you taking? I give you a team, you've got to win a Super Bowl this year. Do you want Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, or Andrew Luck? Um, I love Andrew Luck. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago that he's my second favorite, or he's my favorite player who's not on the Packers. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust him to not have a meltdown in the playoffs. He just yeah. throws too many interceptions. Drew Brees kind of goes into a shell a little bit and seems to be rattleable. Phillip Rivers has a great quarterback mentality. He just doesn't seem to care. He seems fearless all the time. And I think if you look at Breeze, as good as he's been, he doesn't take that great a care of the football. So I think I'm taking Phillip Rivers, actually. Yeah, I'm actually even still really torn between those two. I, I like Luck, and he's having a, an awesome start to the season. But with the interceptions, I think I kind of shy away from him. I think I'm taking... I'm taking Philip Rivers, I think, and I I had Drew Brees circled on here for myself, but I think I'm changing my mind. He's just there's so many times when he just seems sort of ineffective, when it which is kind of shocking. I mean, he doesn't have the weapons he once had, but he still has Colston and Graham and and some of these other guys. So I think that he's he's got enough around him to do it, and he just hasn't really this year. So I think Philip Rivers has been really impressive, and I think. He's a guy I'm kind of rooting for. If the Packers don't do it, I'm probably rooting for the Chargers this year. I'll take Philip Rivers. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Okay, Matt, I know you're a reasonable fan, and you aren't wild and crazy like I have been or like other fans are, but there's got to be somebody that just gets under your skin who you can't stand at all. And so if you could banish one guy from the NFL forever, who would it be? And don't worry about him. I'm sure he'll find another job and be just fine. I am still, even though he's not around in our division anymore, I have to take Jim Schwartz. I'm I'm torn between that and Indomik and Sue. It's, actually, I'll take Sue. We've already got Schwartz out of here. I'm taking Sue. It's just looking at either one of those guys' faces just like makes my stomach upset. I just I can't stand them. They just seem like such terrible people, and they're dirty, and I just can't stand them. I I don't know. Just their faces are are the worst, and I can't. I I want them both gone. I'll take Sue just because he's still in the division and. Schwartz being on the Bills, he probably is going to kind of disappear in obscurity here real soon, so I'll take Sue. Yeah, and i got to agree with you on that one. I, I would love to pick somebody else, but the only other ones really on the list are Jim Schwartz, Jim Harbaugh, and both of those guys. Oh, yeah, Harbaugh. Are, they're Kaepernick. total jerks, and, and Kaepernick, I don't hate Kaepernick as much as everybody else seems to, which I'm not sure why. Maybe he's not good enough for me to hate, um, but, and I think he's sincere with a lot of the stupid stuff he does, which is fine, but... I think that's why I hate Sue more than I hate Schwartz or Harbaugh is because they kind of know that they're jerks, and yeah. they don't seem to care. They're upfront about it. Sue is in complete denial yeah. that he's a dirty player. If you see him on these pregame shows after he stomped uh, Evan Dietrich Smith in the junk, and then he body slams people and he rips people's helmets off, he's like, oh, you know, I'm just not a dirty player. I, I, I go whistle to whistle, and as soon as that whistle blows i'm i'm done i'm not trying to hurt anybody out there and then you watch the highlights and that is bs this guy is full of it not only is he a jerk and he's dirty but he's a liar and in denial uh get out of here in dominican sue and the way he comes off i mean just trying to explain i think it was when he stomped on dietrich smith he just said how it was an accident and you know there's obviously no way (laughs) and just the way he talks and explains himself it just makes you hate him so much more i can handle dirty but don't uh don't do it in that way, I guess. Yeah, exactly. All right, you got your last one, and then I got my sure. last one. So on the line of hating someone here, I want to know who currently is your least favorite team in the NFL. Bears lines are a little bit down. Um, other contenders might be, you know, 49ers, Seahawks. Who do you got as your least favorite team? Oh, man. 
That's really hard. Um, it's going to sound cliched, but it's got to be Seattle. And I think for multiple reasons. I think that Pete Carroll's a dope, and he ran away from a whole bunch of allegations that destroyed the USC football program and then is successfully coached in the NFL. The entire defense has seemingly been accused of HGH. Mm-hmm. The Their fan base is held up as this great fan base ever when they're all Johnny-come-latelys and the team almost moved 15 years ago because of how great the 12th man was. You have Russell Wilson on American Family Insurance ads absolutely constantly talking about, in a humble brag fashion, how you should get off the couch and be great at baseball and the NFL and also be great at every other thing you've ever attempted. What's wrong with you? Get American (laughs) Family Insurance. And I also have to look at him and see that he was the best quarterback the Badgers ever had and we still lost three games, including the Rose Bowl. So, Screw the Seahawks. I'm glad you won the Super Bowl, but I'm tired of you. Yeah, that's a really good one. I I think maybe now, this year more than ever, I the team that I hate, I hate less than I have in the past. Yeah. Like, there's really nobody that's making my blood boil right now. Um, lines get rid of Schwartz. I, I think I'm actually leaning towards Chicago for the first time in a little while. I just... Just Cutler being there, I think, is enough reason. But I, I will say that I, I hate them less than most teams I've hated in other years past. Seattle's stupid. Detroit still kind of, you know, makes me upset. And San Francisco, obviously, with Kaepernick. But I think I'll take Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just... I just don't hate the Bears that much. I mean, Cutler's kind of a dweeb and whatever, but I, I think we've dominated them so yeah, much. Yeah, we win so much. That's the only thing is that, yeah, it's hard to hate them when you beat them all the time. But Yeah. All right. The last one I have for you. Which of these would you rather have? Another great Packers defensive player, a true dominant ace pitcher for the Brewers, an MVP caliber player on the Milwaukee Bucks that saves basketball in the state, or an actual great Wisconsin Badgers quarterback? That's tough, because I think for both of us, the Packers are obviously number one on that list, but Mm -hmm. all the other ones make a bigger difference. I think I'm it might surprise you here, and I might say the Bucks. I think I'd, I've become a lot bigger NBA fan the last three or four years than I have ever been before, and it was always clearly number four sport for me, but I think it's overtaken baseball, and I, I maybe care about it a little bit more. I guess I'll uh, I want to see the Bucks get back to relevance. I'll, I'll say that one. An MVP for the Bucks, huh? Yeah, give me it. All right. Uh, do you want to rank the other ones while we're at it? Sure. I'd, I'll take Packers second just because I – care about them so much more than the other ones um i'll take badgers third and brewers oh that's a tough one too no i'm gonna take brewers third badgers fourth to me you know the the badgers have just blown so many seasons even if they had a great quarterback i just feel that they would do the same thing like you mentioned with wilson he was great and they still lost three games so i feel like it wouldn't make a difference they're destined to get our hopes up and then just destroy them so I, i'll put them at last well at least you get to see a lot of really good outback steakhouse ads on new year's yeah. day watching the badgers <laughs> Yeah, and for me, I would love to see the Bucks come back, and I really hope that um, I'm I'm so excited about Bucks basketball. I can't even Jabari Parker. I hope that uh, Jabari Parker is is a great person. I'm I'm probably gonna watch the Bucks season opener. I just said great person. I meant great player. Whatever. Be a good guy too. He wanted to come to the Milwaukee Bucks. That kind of means that he's probably a pretty good person. Well, he does seem like a good guy from yeah. all of his interviews and stuff. But I'm actually going to watch the Bucks season opener for the first time in years. But ultimately, if they stunk forever and moved, it wouldn't break my heart or anything. The Packers getting another dominant defender is not huge on my list. I would want it to happen, but I still kind of like what you said about the Badgers. I feel like this Packers defense and its current form with these current coaches are just destined to not be very good. So that is playing in there. I know it's different for you and you just said, but easily for me, my number two favorite sports team of any kind is the Brewers. I've watched the Brewers more the last few years than I ever have. We watched them a lot when they stunk in like yeah. 2003 and four, and I still have just sustained it. And even during the bad seasons, I'm always checking the scores and I'm always seeing who's playing well. And even after they were eliminated this year, I just was like, oh man, I'm really going to miss the Brewers. So I watched their last series against the Cubs, even though it didn't mean anything, and they had just wasted away the whole season. And I still wanted to watch them, because I just liked the Brewers, and I liked cheering for the guys. I would love for them to have an ace pitcher. So I guess I will choose that one, even though I don't think it will make that big of a difference. Yeah. The Badgers, for me, 
I would love for them to have a great quarterback. I agree with all of you what you said. And Saturday, the reason I thought of this is because Saturday I was so upset that they lost because of how bad their quarterbacking was. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter that much to me. The Badgers are fun, and I watch them every week. But if they lose, I'm like, oh, Badgers. And then I go back to my life like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. When the Brewers lost that division lead, I was devastated. And when the Packers lose, I'm devastated times four. And so I think my list would be Brewers, then Packers, then Badgers, then Bucks, as much as I like would like to see the Bucks be better. Yeah. All right. That was a really super long answer, so I'm sorry <laughs> about that. All right. And real quick, since we kind of mentioned it last week, let's do the what if that Eric Hansen had. He has two of them on there. We won't do the Super Bowl 32 one yet because I haven't seen that game in a long time. I'm planning on watching it sometime in the next few months, so we'll do that after that. The Packers won. It's the most famous play of Super Bowl 31 where Desmond Howard returned the kick for a touchdown in Super Bowl 31. The Patriots were down 21-27. to They were coming back. They just had a big drive, and it stopped the Packers, and then Desmond took it to the house, and the momentum had changed. The Packers completely dominated the Patriots' offense for the rest of the game. So um, if Desmond Howard doesn't make that play, and let me real quick find the uh, quote from Eric Hansen here. And he said... Well, shoot, now I can't find it. But it basically was, if that play doesn't happen, what happens to the Packers? So I'll let you have the first dibs at that, Matt. Sure. And, and just a kind of a real quick answer, I think that the Packers still win the game. I think that, you know, they probably had the – even had the Patriots come down and scored and gone up 28-27 after that, um, you know, if the Packers didn't get a score on that drive, I think that the Packers could have opened it up and scored again. So – I think I just trust that Packers offense and defense a lot more than I trust that Patriots defense and offense that year. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, with the game on the line, maybe only a point to spare, I think the Packers are, are able to get the job done still. Um, and who knows, they could have still scored on that drive too if, if Desmond hadn't. I think he's right. It's a completely pivotal play in the game. Mm-hmm. But I think that team was just so good that they find a way to win. Yeah, and it's tough to tell with that one because that team was good, and it was clearly better than New England. If they don't get that play, I don't know what happens because the Packers' offense was pretty bad after that play for the rest of the game. I think Chris Jackie misses a field goal later in the game, so it would have been a bigger lead. And the big thing about that is as soon as Desmond has that return, I think it's the very next series where Reggie sacks Bledsoe two of the three dropbacks. And so I think after that it was like, okay, the champ is here. They just popped us. We we have no answer now. And so I think it was a huge thing. It might not have been the coronation that it was, where the second half was just every Packer that meant anything that season getting it a free play for the highlight reel. It probably would have been a lot closer, but I don't envision a scenario where the Packers don't still win. Yeah. Okay, and we did our whole pick segment, and we forgot to pick one game. And actually, Matt was right. He did have 12-2 to two uh, 12 wins, 2 losses last week. I had 10 wins, 4 losses. I forgot to include the Green Bay game. And I just got a text from um, our sister that says that apparently Joel Stave and Tanner McAvoy have been named co-starters. So that really? can't possibly work wow. out in a bad way. Double the bad. <laughs> Can they both play at the same time? <laughs> How about Melvin Gordon be the starting quarterback? Yeah, let's just do that. Just run the Wildcat the whole game. Not even the Wildcat. Just do draws. The quarterback sneak every play out of the shotgun. Quarterback draw with Melvin Gordon every play. They score 14 points and he had like 260 yards rushing. But anyway, yeah. enough of the Badgers. Who's going to win in Miami? Uh, it's supposed to be a hot day. Miami's going to make the Packers wear green, which probably won't actually have an effect, but will make the players think it has an effect. Uh, I think I think Packers take this one. I think they win it by a couple of touchdowns. I think... As much as we rip on the Packers and say, you know, say whatever you will about them, they seem like they don't lose these games that you really expect them to win very often, whereas you see around the league, everybody else is doing it constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is just one that you've got on the schedule as a game they're supposed to win. I, I'm not real sold on this Dolphins offense right now, and I, I don't know too much about their defense, but I don't think they've played real great either. So I guess I haven't gotten to watch much Miami Dolphins football this year, but I think the Packers are just too good for them. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll agree that the Packers are going to win. I am a little bit concerned about this one. It feels like a game like when they played Indianapolis when Luck was young where you feel like it's a bad team that you can bully yeah. and then they come back into it. 
especially at home. I'm not that worried about Joe Philbin or any of that kind of stuff, so we'll see what happens. I think it has the potential to be an upset, but I just think the Packers have too much talent, and they'll somehow get a win here. All right, so that does it for this week of Green and Gold Forever. If you want to contribute to the show, you can comment on our Facebook page, which is Green and Gold Forever Podcast. You can also send us an email at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com, I believe. Also, follow me on Twitter, greengoldforever. That's the number four. That's our Twitter handle. And every Friday before the game, you can listen to the Green and Gold Forever preview on KZ Radio, which is 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities. It's 104.3 in Green Bay. And it's mykzradio.com, where you can listen online anywhere in the country or all around the world. So I would suggest you do that. Not only can you hear the Green and Gold Forever preview, you can hear a ton of great songs from the 80s and 90s. Matt, what's your favorite 80s song, Last Crossfire? Oh, Jesus. You always give me not enough time to think about any of this stuff. That's why it's Crossfire. And bonus oh. Crossfire is even harder than there's regular There's so crossfire. many 80s songs, though. I mean, there's the options are endless here. Favorite 80s song? I, I don't know. I, maybe I can answer that next week. I'll have to listen to my iPod and see what my favorite is. Okay, well, listen to KZ Radio this week, and then you'll find out. You'll probably, probably hear play it. it. They'll probably play all my favorites. Okay, and I'll do the same. So... For Matt in Altoona, who I just dropped that on, because I can never think of a good way to end these podcasts, (laughs) I'm Eric, and enjoy the game this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Take care, everyone.